This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 85. Christy, we are live streaming on Facebook right now. Live streaming? Wow. That's right. We're doing it. I'm trying a new production workflow, and I'm kind of digging it right now, so we'll see how it works. So uh, if you listen to this, you want to check it out, I'll probably keep it on face- up on Facebook. Unless it looks terrible, then I'll take it down. You never know. But right now, I'm pretty happy with it. And I have a big weekend ahead. I know, let's talk f- with you a minute about, I know that you are at a conference, right? Yes, I am at the big national conference for Q, and that's Palm Springs, California. So we've got about six, just over 6,000 people here all talking ed tech. So it's a great place to be. That's awesome. It sounds really exciting. Um, and I think we may have a possible tip tonight as well at the end of the show from there. Well, it was hard to narrow it down to one as far as everything I've learned and heard from today. But I did find one that was pretty easy um, that I think everyone will enjoy. Well, that's awesome, Christy. Let's uh, start as we generally do. with. Wait, what's your big weekend? Oh, that's right. I do have a big weekend plan. Thank you for reminding me of that. I am... <laughs> oh, boy. It's exciting. I'm getting a puppy dog. Oh, a puppy. That's right. I'll be doing some traveling this weekend because it's not located in the state. So I will be going to pick her up. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. But we're super excited. It's a sheep-a-doodle, sheep-dog, and poodle combination. So, Whoa, I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'll try to tweet out a picture when I get her because I'm so excited. But yeah. Oh, cute. Big weekend plans. But let's get back to the EdTech stuff that we normally do. And let's start, as we always do, with that EdTech News Rundown. All right, our first story. EdScoop reports that technology directors are buzzing about artificial intelligence. And a new report from CoSN, I believe is how we say it, explains how it could work in K-12. COSN, or Consortium for School Networking's 2018 conference, AI is certainly a hot topic, but the CEO of COSN mentioned that we are at the beginning of the fourth industrial revolution. And I may be out of the loop, but it's the first time that I've heard that said. I think that really speaks to the uncertainty of what this all means for education. In industry, we can kind of see how self-driving cars and trucks will change the shipping industry. But we still don't exactly know how AI is going to change education. I think it's easier for me, but I think probably for everyone, to imagine that humanity could be taken out of shipping and other industries like that. But it's a little harder to imagine that humanity being taken out of education. I feel like our normal lives are slowly turning into sci-fi movies, Christy. But the thing that we can control is making sure our connections with students on a human level remain an integral part of the process. And then maybe AI doesn't feel so scary. Christy, did you feel like an ominous feeling with this article? Or, I don't know, are you still confident that the AI revolution is not going to take, take teachers out of the game? Well, you know, you are absolutely right about teachers and the relationship part of it. You know, that is really the crux of humanity and how we all get along together. So I don't, I certainly hope that that's not going to go away. I think it's interesting that you chose this article today talking about AI because I too chose an AI article also, which we can get to next. I think mine is a bit more frightening though. So um, I don't know. You ready for that one? I don't know. I mean, I feel like saying the fourth industrial revolution is AI is pretty frightening if you think about how big that really means, what that really means in in the context of the human race. But I'd like to see if you can one up that one. Go ahead. 
All right. Our next article is from the Wall Street Journal. Not a typical source here at EdTech Weekly, but when I saw it, I knew it was one to talk about here, and it ties in perfectly with what you just shared. This article is titled The New Arms Race in AI, and it focuses on how China is focusing on using AI for military warfare, and the U.S. now finds itself in an escalating AI arms race. One particular project that got the attention of U.S. officials was a program that could scan video from drones and find details that a human analyst would miss, identifying, for instance, a particular individual moving between previously undetected terrorist safe houses. What do you think about all this, Ricky? And yeah, fourth industrial revolution, military warfare, and how does this apply to our classrooms? Yeah, I mean, I guess you might have got me on that one. Um, when you talk about arms race and, <laughs> and military warfare. And yeah, I mean, I, I think where we're headed, there's a lot of really scary places that AI is headed. And, you know, I think it's I don't think it's wrong to feel nervous about that. I think it's important that we do. We think about the implications of what that could mean for society in general, but also for education. Um when we start taking the humanity out of things, especially warfare, boy, that really starts to get scary for me because it seems like we're already pretty scary with warfare and military things, even when there's humanity involved. So taking that out is scary. And so, yeah, taking it out of classrooms or, or I don't know, it, it definitely gives me pause. And I think it's an important thing for us to start talking about now rather than 20, 30 years from now when it might be too late. For sure. And, you know, for our classrooms and for our students, you know, how do we prepare our students to live in this world where AI will be a part of their everyday lives? Um, you know, it's well beyond computer programming at this point, but it will be just routine and normal, I guess, in the future. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely it's definitely a little scary. Well, let's let's go to maybe a little less scary, but maybe a little more confusing uh, article here. Our next story is an EdTech magazine tells us that four things experts want us to know about blockchain in higher ed. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the term blockchain, it's recently gotten into the public eye a lot because of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and they happen to be based on that data architecture. Um, boy, essentially blockchain is data management that is not in one place behind one firewall, but rather all over on different machines, um, encrypted, and it makes hacking very that data very difficult. It is an oversimplification, but for our show, I think that'll be okay. I know we need to get Matt back on here, and he can tell me how wrong I am, and he can really get more into this for those of us who are super nerds and would like to know more. But let's just get into what they think this could mean for education. So specifically, they think that all learning experiences could become trackable. Um, student credentials could become a lot more accessible with it. Uh, the third thing, more secure data would provide more opportunities so that they could connect um, the data if it's more secure and we don't have to worry about people being able to actually get that data. And uh, it could boost open education as well. Um, you know, when you look at it, if it's up, if this is up your alley, you should definitely check out this article. Uh, if you're thoroughly confused at this point, the best way I think I can sum it up is by saying that having records that are more secure but are also more inclusive of your entire experience could allow for better, da better data sharing and also allow students to have online certificates maybe be included with higher ed transcripts for more accurate and complete education records. Um, again, this gets into the weeds a little bit, but anything using the word blockchain is a buzzword right now, especially in the, the computer technology world. Um, my only issue with this article, Christy, is that they use the term micro-credentials. 
And the first article, article tonight mentioned micro-personalized learning. Um, between microaggressions that I've heard as a term lately, um, I'm just kind of over this whole micro thing being added in front of things. I'm sorry. Maybe that's just a pet peeve of mine, Christy, but it, it is getting a little bit annoying to hear everything that's a little bit smaller be called micro. Anyway, besides the micro rant, is there anything in this article that you found interesting? Were you aware of the term blockchain? Is any, What are you thinking about this article? You know, I've heard a blockchain recently in... Um, Sorry, I just heard an echo. All right, so I just I've heard recently about blockchain having to do with Bitcoin. I didn't know much about it other than that. Other than you know, just makes me nervous about this whole currency bit part of it. Um, but you know, those things that you talked about as far as boosting open education, you know, better tracking, more secure data. I think we can all agree that is a good thing. We've talked about a lot of those things before. Or I just don't quite get how it's all connected. So you're right. I think we need Matt maybe to come back and explain that to us. Yeah. And the only reason I would worry about that is just it might get too technical for all of us, including you and me. But I, I do, you know, from when you listen to people who are talking about blockchain in general, it is a concept that could be one of the biggest revolutionary changes in data and security um, maybe ever that we've had. So yeah, it's, it's a really big deal, and I think for education, if we can share data without compromising data, I know data security is a big thing for education, and I know it's a big thing for you as well, Christy, that's something that you really are concerned with. So I think if, if we can provide reliable, secure data that can be shared, we could probably just assume that would be good for education, again, if this all does what we hope it can do, and if it's as secure as everyone seems to think it'll be. That's a lot of ifs there. Uh, yeah. All right. Our next article from Edser describes failed attempts at a community college to implement an early warning indicator system to boost retention rates and what the college is doing the third time that is different. Tallahassee Community College first tried an early alert system in the mid-2000s, focusing on first-time college students and in developmental education courses. Faculty were asked to flag students, and student with, with two or more flags were alerted to the advising staff. This didn't work so well, and they switched to a third-party provider called Starfish that found they didn't have the staff capacity to handle all the flags and failing to let students know why they've been flagged. Tallahassee didn't give up and this fall implemented a third try with a different vendor and focusing on communication with students, documentation of interventions by faculty, and establishing a specific intervention team to handle the referrals. If your school is using or thinking about using an early warning indicator system, I think this article is worth checking out to not replicate their mistakes. What do you think, Ricky? Is a third time the charm for Tallahassee Community College? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I get a little, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds to me like if, if we're doing this alert system and it's not working, we need to maybe start over again and not just keep trying to replace it with something else. But I don't really have a lot of inner knowledge of how that was working over there and what the problems were and, and why or why not this may work. Let's hope it is because let's hope we're not just continuing to waste money and not having anything that's actually going to be helpful. Yeah, it's been maybe 10 years with all these iterations and you know thousands and thousands of dollars using it. So we'll see. Yeah. So I think if I'm correct, Christy, you are going to give us another one of your amazing Christy's tech tips. Is that correct? 
Well, I don't know if it's amazing, but I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I've heard a lot of things here at the Q conference and my brain is so full of so many good ideas. You know, when you go to an event like this, you just kind of get on overload. But one that I heard today that I think is pretty easy to implement and that can be used in a classroom tomorrow is classroomscreen.com. Have you ever used or seen this, Ricky? I haven't. And I got to be honest with you, after your previous tech tip uh i've been using that and i can't even believe i didn't know it was there the explore tab on the google Docs. so i'm excited to hear i'm excited to hear more about this so far you're betting a thousand with these okay well let's keep up the average so if you go to classroomscreen.com you can simply project this and have access to a number of tools for your classroom on the bottom there are a number of options such as a random name generator sound level qr code generator a traffic light a timer and a clock Now, none of these tools are particularly innovative, but to have them at your fingertips projected all in one place could be very useful to classroom teachers. Thank you to Leslie Fisher, an amazing presenter that I heard here at the Q conference for sharing this tool. So if you haven't used classroom.com, take a couple of minutes to look it up and try it out and let us know if it's something you find useful in your classroom. Yeah, I'm just checking it out um, as you were talking there. I went and called it up, and I was actually putting it on the live feed, too. It looks like there's a bunch of really interesting things, and for it to be just on the web and something that you can use just by being connected to the web without having to have an application, uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's so easy you know, to have these tools just at your fingertips and while you're presenting or just in your classroom. just They're all right there. Absolutely. Well, I think that's another great one, and I'm excited to check it out, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. And Christy, I know you're at a conference, and I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time while we're there, but let's let the people know how to interact with the show. Obviously, you can email us, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Get in touch with the show. Tell us your thoughts. If you want to share a tip that Christy can use as her tech tip, don't worry. We'll give you credit. We'll make sure everyone knows it came from you, but um, we want to definitely further that and make sure that we're putting out some good ideas and good tips for people to use. Follow us on Twitter at Four Tech Teachers for me and at Christy M. Warren for Christy. Follow our Facebook page, EdTech Weekly Show on Facebook. Again, live streaming happening right now. Check it out. Um, and then also, don't forget, we have other social media as well that we're trying to develop. And of course, Reddit at reddit.com slash edtechweekly. Um, check it out. And Reddit is a great place. This is where I learned about blockchain. Um, and so I think, you know, if you want to stay on top of technology or really anything, there's a lot of great subreddits out there, uh, something to check out. And it's pretty interesting. And I enjoy being on Reddit a lot, too. So, well, that's it for the show, Christy. Uh, appreciate the tech tip. Thanks for joining us while you're on conference. Sorry we missed last week. I was under the weather, feeling a lot better now. And uh, look on Twitter. I'll be sharing a picture of my cute little puppy dog that I'm really excited about bringing home this weekend. So uh, can't wait to see it. (laughs) Anything else, Christy, before we head on out? No, have a great week, everyone. All right. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly.